What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Um, I think because the Mavs have had a rough season these last couple of weeks, but they came away with a really exciting win against the Golden State Warriors tonight, avenging their blowout loss to the Warriors a couple nights ago. Felt really good. Luca and Steph went at it tonight, and it was a really, really exciting matchup between the two of them. Steph had 57 points. And Luca had 42 points, but ultimately the Mavericks came away with the narrow 134 to 132 win. So I don't know. I feel like this win had the potential of a season changing win, given how things have gone for the Mavericks so far. And so let's hope that they can build off this momentum and take advantage of their upcoming schedule, which features a few of the easier teams in the league. I'm joined today by my good friend, Jeremy Perez, who's the host of the Pace and Space podcast, where he covers the Warriors, as well as the You Know What's Up podcast, where he covers culture, music, movies, film, all that kind of stuff, where he recommends things that you may be overlooking. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing all right, man. It was a close game, but uh, didn't pull it off, but uh, I'm happy for your Mavs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah man I'm, I'm not even gonna not even gonna lie there i'm really happy right now especially after <laughs> that last game against the warriors i mean you know the mavericks broke their six game losing streak with a win against the atlanta hawks on wednesday and i mean of course it felt good to get a win but uh, if you watch that game the mavericks nearly blew it there at the end and so i think that left a sour taste in people's mouths um, and then they they had to play the Warriors the next day, and they just got absolutely crushed. Of course, they scored 74 points, I think, in the first half, and were hitting their threes. But then in the second half, I mean, the Warriors just continued to pour it on. The Mavericks could just not keep pace, and they lost by like 31 points, I think. So this one felt really good. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was just as an NBA fan, super enjoyable game. But, um yeah, uh, the Mavs were able to pull it off by the end. Um, how are you feeling in those last few minutes of the fourth quarter? <laughs> I was nervous, man, especially considering how these last few games have gone. I mean, you know, even looking like last week, the Mavericks played the Suns and then the Hawks. And, you know, in that Suns game on Monday, they had the lead and late in the game until Devin Booker hit that three-pointer to give the Suns the lead with like a second and a half to go. And of course, the Mavericks were not able to make a shot, so they lost there like very close to the end. And then against the Hawks, the Mavericks looked like they were about to to go, get away with the win there. But then the Hawks made a, a very quick run at the end of the game and nearly came back to tie it. And so that was pretty nerve-wracking. And then of course, tonight too, I mean, I think Luka hit that three-pointer with like what 30 seconds left and that that seemed like the dagger and ultimately it was but like i mean steph immediately came back on the other end and had the and one layup and then it got really close there at the end i think it was a one point game it was like 131 to 130 and then the mavericks were able to get that clutch three-pointer from maxi Kleba, which proved to be the difference and then they won the game 134 to 132 Definitely. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a missed call on the baseline with a uh, Porzingis accidentally dribbling it out. It, I think there might've been like a makeup call on the, on the fast break call and they reversed it with the challenge from the Warriors. how did you feel about that one? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, 
that was another one of those plays where I was kind of like, oh my God, the, the Mavericks are going to blow this because like, I don't know. I, I feel like in those situations, you want to try and get to a place where you're not in such a risky position to possibly lose the ball. And 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 I do understand why the Mavericks might have wanted to get it to Richardson. He's probably one of, or he's not probably, he is one of their best free throw shooters. So I understand why they got it to him. I, I just feel like instead of maybe trying to make a move, Richardson should have probably just held on to the ball and let the Warriors come to him and foul him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Toward the end, toward the end. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely a nail biter. And uh, yeah, but I think Maxi able to hit that shot. Uh, Tim Hardaway able to get hot uh, more toward the second half really allowed them to close out the game where uh, it was pretty much just a duel the whole game between Steph and, and Luca. And it was just uh, in general, just a super enjoyable game. To, yeah, to watch as a fan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always great to watch these games where the, the two best players from the opposing teams have the best games. I mean, that's like a bonus in these sorts of matchups. So, I mean, the, the Luka-Steph matchup was... Obviously, people were looking forward to it, but I think they delivered on a level that we couldn't even have expected tonight. I mean, 57 points from Steph Curry. He was 11 for... 19 from three i mean obviously as a warriors fan i mean you love it when steph shoots those but as a mavs fan and i'm sure fans of other opposing teams whenever steph shoots it you just like tense up because you you know that there's like a better than not chance that it's going to go in absolutely yeah and uh but tonight yeah it was just raining in and then the half court shot was just one of the, the craziest shots i've seen him make in a while um, yeah, and he was just feeling it. You know, the shoulder dance was uh, something else. It's definitely gonna be, it's definitely gonna be memed by tomorrow, as well as Van Gundy's dance. Yeah, I was, I was gonna, I one? was gonna mention that too. <laughs> um, oh god, that running man was just, ooh, <laughs> that was horrible. I know it was, it was peak Jeff Van. I mean, I, I think whenever you get a broadcast with with the the Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike Green crew, you're always in for some memeable moments there and tonight was no less than that i don't know how much of the mavs that you've watched this season but from watching this game what was sort of your your impression that you took away from the team obviously they've been struggling a bit recently but how did you think that they played tonight like as as a team overall yeah i mean yeah i haven't seen as many games this season i mean partially because they haven't been having a great season plus with like covid and injuries mm-hmm. throughout it um but uh yeah i mean I, I definitely kept my eye out a lot of thanks to you last season and uh, <laughs> everyone just but uh especially during the playoffs you know with the flipper series and pulling off those two wins and that crazy buzzer beater uh everyone's kind of had their eyes open for the mavs and seeing that there is totally something special with this possibly um generational talent of Luka Doncic so um yeah but I've definitely been keeping my eye out for the Mavs and this this kind of showed the potential that the Mavs do have uh hopefully going throughout the season now uh and it's mostly those other pieces because we know how great Luka can be and this is arguably his best game of the season yeah but uh yeah again like with those other players like Tim Hardaway Maxi Kleba even Norman Powell's um Dwight Powell energy or sorry Dwight Powell wrong Powell (laughs) um 
but yeah, just having these extra players that are bringing that energy and closing out those games shows that the Mavs, their previous games in the season shouldn't necessarily be the benchmark to what to expect for the rest of the season and hopefully have a better playoff seating in the future. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think that was a pretty good assessment of where the team is at right now. Obviously, they've been pretty hard hit by COVID, and that certainly slowed their season down. I mean, you look at, like, the Miami Heat, who've also suffered similarly from COVID, and, I mean, they're also five or six games under 500 at the bottom of their conference, like the Mavericks are. So it's a very real thing that 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 happened to them. But I think tonight's game sort of showed the potential that they have, at least offensively, you know, I thought that they came out with more purpose. And I think one of the biggest criticisms against them is like this team is constructed such that it's Luca and, and guys who are supposed to be shooters. But oftentimes what happens is it's just Luca dribbling around and guys just standing on the perimeter waiting for something to happen. And, and that hasn't really worked for them. But I thought tonight they made a better effort to get different guys involved and at least have three or four players on each possession touched the ball. And of course, Luka had a great game tonight. I mean, he had 42 points and 11 assists to go along with seven rebounds. I mean, like you said, this was probably Luka's best game of the season. But I think as a team overall, I did like the way that they played. And I think this is a model for them to to emulate going forward. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, even even though it was a pretty bad loss the previous game, I think the spurts in the in the first half of their three-point shooting kind of shows that this team can replicate their number one offense from last year if they're able to carry this on into future games because um, actually the Warriors, I think they have the 11th best uh, half-court defense mm-hmm. this season. So it's not like they're a bad defensive team, but uh, the Mavs just kind of showed up from the three-point line the last two games. And yeah, yeah I hope they can carry this on throughout the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of worried because like – Last game, I mean, Rick Carlisle, the Mavericks head coach, was sort of like, we got seduced into playing a shootout with the Warriors. And I think that quote sort of got misinterpreted by some people to to, to think that the Mavericks just decided to chuck a bunch of threes. But given their defensive effort against the Warriors in the last game, I mean, when the opponent is hitting threes like that, you have no other choice but to try and keep pace with them. Otherwise, you're going to fall way behind. And we saw that in the second half, what happened to them. Of course, the Mavericks today continued to play their game of shooting a bunch of threes, and they they hit them well as a team. I mean, we we know the Mavericks are right now the worst three-point shooting team in the league, but they shot 44.7% from three tonight with Luka going seven for 12 from three. So, I mean, we are seeing some regression to the mean uh, as far as this team shooting-wise goes. Um, We'll see if this keeps up going forward. But I think in that sense, it was a step in the right direction. And of course, it was nice to see Maxi Kleba have one of his better games this season, Um, you know, hitting clutch shots and and just doing a lot of great things. I mean, it it takes me back to the last game he played before his his COVID absence against the Denver Nuggets. Actually, that wasn't the last game he played. He played one against Orlando um, a few nights later, but he hit... I think three clutch threes in that game against Denver. And again, tonight he hit the dagger, a three-pointer in the corner to win the game for the Mavericks. So certainly it was great to see him do that. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the Warriors, though, because from watching these two games against the Mavericks, obviously Steph Curry has been great and an elite for that matter. I mean, this season he's already had a 62-point game and now a 57-point game tonight. 
you know, the Warriors have been hit hard by injuries um, recently. I mean, I think a lot has been made about the fact that they only had nine players these last two games, nobody above the height of mm-hmm. six foot seven. They're, they have some good pieces um, on the perimeter, um, uh, you know, like Damian Lee and, and Michael Mulder, as well as Juan Toscano Anderson. And, and even Andrew Wiggins had a good game today, too. But I, I sort of get the sense from this team, at least from these last two games, that the Warriors are going to go as far as Steph Curry takes them. And I think as somebody who doesn't watch too many Warriors games, it might be easy to say that. But I, I'm curious to get your thoughts as to whether that's like an accurate statement um, and if there's anything else we should be looking out for. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's totally an accurate assessment. Um, I think, I mean, you almost kind of know what you're getting with with Steph and Draymond. And uh, I think the ceiling is mostly dependent on those other X-Factor players. Like Kelly Oubre has probably had one of the most inconsistent seasons I've seen a player have. Um, Having a 40-point game was a nice glimpse into seeing his potential offensively. But uh, he started off the season like the first seven, eight games uh, without a single three. Um, so he his ups and downs on the offensive end has kind of led to an inconsistent standings uh, for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiggins has actually been a pretty pleasant surprise. Uh, also on the defensive end, uh, shooting-wise, like today he went, went nine for 12, scored 22 points. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, injuries are definitely playing a part for this team, not having anyone over six, seven, uh, not having Wiseman in. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's as a Warriors fan, it's not that we're expecting having that same type of uh, 73 and nine season again, but um, <laughs> especially with the clay. Yeah. With the clay injury, it just, it, it was kind of that heartbreaker. So it's kind of more like, feeling out the season almost just being able to flirt with the playoffs is an exciting prospect but um yeah just being able to see uh Steph go off on games like this is always a a fun time yeah i mean <laughs> you mentioned the 73 and 9 season and I, and i think like from watching this game if i didn't know any better i would have thought that that the the warriors were that 73 and 9 team just from the way that Steph Curry was playing he missed all of last year for the most part, so I didn't really get to watch him. But watching him tonight just took me back to that time. And it, it just goes to show that Steph has a ton left in the tank right now. And anybody trying to you know count him out there at the beginning of the year was clearly misguided. I mean, he is one of the best players in the NBA. Um, one player that stood out to me in this mini-series between the Warriors and the Mavericks was Draymond Green. Of course, Draymond uh, played a critical role as like a lockdown defender on those dynasty teams you know with Steph and Clay and Kevin Durant but I think his role has transitioned a bit since that point I mean last year I think people clowned him a lot for looking kind of washed but from watching him these last two games I mean yeah he's not an elite scorer or anything like that but he is such a smart player I mean there was a lot of times where he was running the offense in the half court where he was at the top of the key and the Warriors like to do a lot of cutting actions um, and 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 off-ball screens. And, you know, obviously with the amount of defensive attention that Curry commands, it opens up things for a lot of other guys. And there was a couple times where, like, Juan Toscano-Anderson or other guys cut into the lane, and they were, like, wide open, not a defender within, like, 
you know, 10 feet of them for the easy layup. So how has Draymond been this season? And, and, and were these games we saw against the Mavericks like indicative of his role this year? Yeah, I mean, this is indicative of uh, the potential that he has and also that Draymond is he, – he's never going to be your superstar on your team, but he's totally going to do everything that – all the unsexy stats that everyone else probably wouldn't want because, um, like, Curry play is out there. They'll be nailing down the threes, and Draymond will find them, and that's what he's best at. Uh, also being an adaptable defender – but uh, yeah, just looking at the last two games, Draymond had 15 assists tonight, and he had 15 assists last game. So 30 assists in yeah. the past two games. <laughs> That's correct. Is a is a yeah, it's a monstrous stat, right? But also only having two points tonight. But also, like even someone that doesn't watch that many Warriors games, you can feel his impact. That doesn't have to come on the scoring end. So yeah, I think I think this is mostly. The best that Draymond can be if he's able to su- su- uh, sustain this like every game. But um, yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, yeah, Draymond is just a huge impact player that doesn't necessarily always show up on the stat sheet. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think like even back when he was more of a, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like famous member of the Warriors. I mean, obviously Draymond is is a legend. Um, and I think people were reminded of it in these two games. But of course, like when his scoring was a bit down last year, people sort of thought that he had fallen off. But I mean, even back in the day, like in the 73-9 and nine season or even in those KD years, in addition to the elite defense, Draymond was always regarded as like a good passer and a smart player. I mean, and that was on display tonight. And I honestly think that he's taken a tremendous leadership role with the Warriors I mean you see clips a lot of times of him and and James Wiseman of course who was injured in this game and didn't play but I really do love to see him like you know mentoring some of the younger less experienced Warriors guys it's it's sort of like a feel-good moment as an NBA fan yeah absolutely yeah and uh that's something that you can note for Draymond I mean you can hate his antics hate his uh his howling at refs to the ball kicking of uh, Stephen Adams. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if there's one thing you can note about him is that he's a great team leader. And um, yeah, I think that was kind of on display tonight. And um, actually something that I didn't point out earlier is that there's actually some great bench players uh, on the Warriors mm. that have been really important to the team's success. Uh, like Kent Bazemore, who scored 20 points today. Yeah, he and, was uh, Yeah, he was, he was incredibly hot, especially in the first half, as well as, uh, as, well as Eric Pascal, who is yeah. just a high-energy motor guy. And uh, yeah, I think – I'm not sure if you've seen too many of his highlights. No, right? I, I, I really games. like Eric Pascal. I mean, of course, he was injured um, for these two games, but he was on the all-rookie – was it second team or was he a first teamer last year? Honestly, I'm not sure. He was definitely on one of the teams. Yeah, he, he was on one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I was very impressed watching Eric Pascal last year. I mean, as a rookie, he had a very good feel for the game and played like a veteran in his ability to command the floor because, I mean, he was playing a lot without Steph because Steph was hurt last year, and I thought he did a really good job of it. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Okay, obviously this season, both the Mavericks and the Warriors have been pretty inconsistent. I think that's a common theme between both of them. Looking ahead a little bit, I think there is about 
like 13 or, or 12 games left for the Mavericks in the first half of the, the schedule. I imagine it's about the same for the Warriors. The trade deadline is coming up towards the end of March. Do you see the Warriors making any moves? And if so, what, what do you think they should try and uh, target? Yeah, see, so they've been flirting with the idea of uh, moving Kelly Oubre possibly just due to his offensive inconsistencies. Um, I think that he's really shown his worth on the defensive end and as well as just showing his energy uh, throughout the game. But um, yeah, it, offensively, he hasn't nearly made up for the slack that uh, that play would have been able to make an impact for. Um, but so they've been thinking of the idea of like moving – uh, Kelly for JJ Redick as well as Lonzo Ball to the Pelicans. I think that's kind of a risky move. Um, I mean, you'll definitely make up the three point shooting somewhat uh, of replacing Clay for this season with JJ, as well as possibly some of the defense from Lonzo. But um, I don't, I don't think that's the wisest choice because of uh, Kelly's overall defense, as well as possibly Buddy Heal. I've been uh, hearing ideas of that to Zach Levine. Uh, but for the most part, I think these, yeah, I think this coming month is really going to show Kelly Oubre's worth, but it's also like, I know that it's an expiring contract for this year. Um, and I don't think any moves that the Warriors will make will allow them to win a championship or even make it to the Western conference finals. So I think they can kind of play it easy for the rest of the season, in my personal opinion, is there any moves to the Mavs you think that they should be making to be able to make that extra push? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think they have several needs right now. I mean, obviously shooting, you could never have enough of it. And of course, given how much they've struggled, it would be wise to add a guy like JJ Redick, especially given his veteran leadership when the Mavericks let J.J. Barea go earlier this year in training camp, it, it created a huge leadership void for them. And I think they were banking hard on Luca being that guy. But, you know, Luca's 21 years old. He tries his best, but ultimately it's his third year in the league. He's still very young, and he's still trying to figure out his way uh, in the NBA. So I do feel like the Mavericks need a guy who can really, like, guide them through these tough times because they have a team that is... You know, I wouldn't say inexperienced, but uh, as far as winning goes, they are pretty in inexperienced for a lot of these guys like Luca or Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleva. Last year was the first time that they made the playoffs. And so just as they got to the playoffs as a group for the first time last year, like this sort of unprecedented losing streak and, and tough time that they're having post-Dirk is something that they're going to have to get through together. And I think like having a, a veteran presence would be good. I mean, James Johnson is there for them, but he doesn't play much. I mean, he didn't play tonight against the Warriors, and he's not a guy that factors into their long-term future either. So I do think veteran leadership and, and shooting is one thing that they need. I mean, of course, rebounding is one thing that they've been struggling with a lot this season. I thought they were okay tonight, but of course, they're going against a very small Warriors team. So uh, let's see how they fare against a, a more traditionally constructed team. And then also just a secondary playmaker for Luka. I've been saying this a lot, but I think part of the reason the Mavericks struggle a lot is because of the stagnation on their offense where they just let Luka dribble the air out of the ball and the rest of the guys stand around on the perimeter. I mean, they have Jalen Brunson, who's proven to be a pretty good 
creator and and probably their second best player but you know other than Brunson there's not really a guy you can really depend on to create and I think you know either at the trade deadline or next offseason like a secondary creator is something they really need to prioritize to to put alongside Luca. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. I mean, I love the Josh Richardson uh, move for Seth Curry, but it kind of is displaying the lack of three-point shooting that Seth Curry kind of allowed. I mean, it allowed more uh, backcourt defense, but um, yeah, I think, think, yeah, I think there is a a lack of three-point shooting that should be addressed, as well as I was going to ask, how do you see Porzingis as the future part of the Dallas team because I I don't know if as a as a fan if I fully see an ideal fit mm-hmm. between Luca and Porzingis with the future. I mean while Dallas did win today and uh Porzingis did have 18 points it it felt like a low impact 18 points for the most part for me. Yeah yeah that, that's a good point. I mean I don't know I Last year, they took a, a while to, to round into form, and I think there was a point where they were kind of clicking together, but I thought last season they also got slowed down by injuries. Like every time they'd start to develop some chemistry, one of them would get hurt and then miss some time, and that would kill their momentum. This year, the fit looks a bit awkward, and even last year there were some points in time where it looked like that. Of course, KP really played well in the second half of last season, but... I don't know. I mean, yeah, like you said, like tonight he had 18 points, but it it looks very belabored for him. His shot is kind of broken right now. Um, he just looks a little bit scared of getting injured. And I mean, who can blame him after all the injuries he suffered? But I mean, as far as the Mavericks long term fit, I'm not totally sold on it yet. So we're going to have to see. At the same time, I'm not really sure how much trade value he holds in the league right now. Like, I mean, I don't think you could offer a team Kristaps Porzingis and they'd be willing to fairly match that in terms of return. They'd probably ask you for like a, a first round draft pick or something like that, which the Mavericks don't have many of because of the picks they traded to the Knicks for Porzingis. So I don't know. I mean, I still think that there is a chance that he can become the player that that they want him to be but you know there's so many questions with the fit and with his health and it's just like until he can prove that he can stay healthy it's always going to be a huge question mark because the talent is there he's a very talented player he's got the height he's theoretically got the shooting touch he's proven to be a good rim protector but one can he put it all together and two can he stay healthy and those questions are are still out for judgment right now yeah i think that's the, probably the biggest question mark is that um, can he stay healthy for the rest of the season? Because I don't think he's had a full healthy season in his whole career. Um, actually, bouncing back to that question, or I mean, at least that part that you're saying that the thing that the Mavs are lacking is rebounding. Uh, what do you think like, would be a great fit? Because, I mean, just looking at the lineup, I, I don't think that they're lacking in height or at least rebounding ability to be able to pull down more rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I know today that it didn't really look apparent that they were lacking in rebounding skill. Um, but do you think they necessarily need an extra piece or is it just more of a chemistry thing? Um, I think they do need an extra piece and I'll tell you why. So let's talk about their bigs on the roster right now. So you have Kristaps Porzingis, obviously, but I don't know. I, I think... For a guy who's 7'3", he doesn't quite rebound the way that, that he should. 
And part of that is just maybe effort. And another part is because he's afraid to really bang knees with guys, which, I mean, comes with the territory of rebounding because he doesn't want to get hurt again. Then you have Dwight Powell, who plays hard, but again, I mean, he's never been a good rebounder. He's never been a good defender. Physicality is not really his game. So he struggles a lot um, against more physical bigs. And then Willie Cauley-Stein, again, another seven-footer, but <laughs> I mean, you probably watched Willie Cauley-Stein a bit last year, but for a guy who's seven feet, his effort is not really there, his awareness uh, when it comes to rebounding. I mean, when he when he puts his mind to it, he can, but I think more often than not, he's kind of always just thinking of other things or his head is in the clouds when it comes to to rebounding and and doing some of the dirty work. So I'm not totally sold on him. And of course, you have Boban Marjanovic, but he can't really play much given how tall he is and how slow he is. He's not a good matchup on most nights. So that being said, I think there there is a need for a more physical presence inside for rebounding. But the question is, who is it, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What would your ideal perfect move be if like if if you're the hypothetical gm jay apaji who would you who would you end up trading for tristan thompson i don't know like someone that's or but he doesn't give you that shooting as well i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities yeah what would you do yeah you know i wanted the mavericks to sign tristan thompson this offseason i mean that's like a whole nother discussion about how they went about this offseason but just in terms of the trade deadline i don't know if he's realistic just given that the Celtics are also a team with uh, playoff aspirations. I'm not sure they're wanting to trade with the Mavericks um, on that. But a lot of Mavs fans want Andre Drummond. I personally don't think that's a good fit, given that you have two big money bigs and you know, s- starting two guys like that, like Porzingis and Drummond, is not not great in theory. And of course, Drummond has a reputation of being like a guy who plays for stats as opposed to actually trying. Um, but, you know, there have been times where things have gotten so desperate for the Mavericks when it comes to rebounding, where I'm like, you know what, why don't they just trade for Drummond? I don't know other than uh, other than that who they could. I mean, Cody Zeller is a guy whose name has been thrown around a bit on Mavs Twitter. And I think as an expiring contract, he certainly is a low-risk move in that sense. <laughs> but, of course, he would uh, add to the, the number of white players that the Mavericks have on their roster. <laughs> um, There's no hate on that. I don't know. Cody's been pretty decent for the Hornets so far. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, he's, he's a role player, and he would be a role player for the Mavericks. I mean, if they brought him just for his rebounding, I mean, I think that would be a solid move for them. Yeah. Uh, Do you think Porzingis would be involved with any of these trades, potentially with like a Drummond type trade? I doubt it. Um, And I don't think the Mavericks are particularly eager to trade him. They still want to see this out, I'm pretty sure. Obviously, the fit has not looked great this year, but I don't think they're ready to give up on the Luka-Porzingis duo. But, you know, I don't know. We'll, We'll see what happens. Obviously, I have pipe dreams like Levine or Bradley Beal. The Mavericks don't have a ton of trade ammunition either because they they owe their first round pick this year to the Knicks. And then I think in two years, it's a top 10 protected pick that they have to send to the Knicks as well. And of course, given the rules around trading picks, they are not going to be able to trade a pick until 2027 right now. So, um, oh gosh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 they sort of emptied their 
you know, war chest, so to speak, uh, when trading for Porzingis. But they have some interesting pieces on their roster. Like Jalen Brunson has had a really good season this year. I mean, he's like 50, 40, 90. So, I mean, I would say his trade value is the highest that it's ever been. Do the Mavericks wanted to trade one of their young success stories when it comes to development? I don't know. And I don't know if they should trade Brunson unless they can get a clear upgrade. Yeah, I yeah, I mean... Jalen Brunson's only 24, but yeah, I think he's already kind of shown his worth for the team. Just uh, kind of being a shot creator off the bench. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if, I mean, I think he would be as well, pretty much have the same role on a different team, probably not a starter. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think it's exactly time to give up on Porzingis as well as like the value uh, that was given up to have him unless they kind of go with like the Houston route and like kind of like trade back for assets, like mm. what they did with Westbrook. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure there's been times throughout the season, probably during that six game losing streak where you're like traded all, <laughs> lose all the assets, just keep Luca. But um, I, I think games like tonight, it shows kind of like the potential. It's not like the Warriors are a, uh, or a bottom feeding team exactly, but um, yeah, not at all. So yeah, so I I think yeah I think the Mavs could end up flipping it around after this game, and hey, it's still even though it's a shortened season, it's still a long season. Yeah, you know, let's hope because there's still a ton of games left. I think after tonight, the Mavericks have like 47 games remaining, so there's still a ton of time for them to turn it around. But they're going to need to show some signs of improvement in these areas like shooting and rebounding and now defense. So let's hope that they do. Um, I think the Warriors are in pretty good position as well to make the playoffs. And it'll be interesting to see how their season goes going forward. Um, but Steph is certainly bringing his best. I wonder who's going to finish higher in the standings this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to be a, a race to the... I mean, we'll we'll see where how the playoffs roll around. But uh, I actually made a tweet earlier that uh, a playoff play-in tournament is uh, is almost bound for these two teams at this point. I know you probably <laughs> want a higher seeding. I also want a higher yeah, seeding potentially. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I want nothing to do with the play-in tournament just because I feel like the Mavericks don't have great luck in those scenarios, like in Game Sevens or whatever like that. And I just. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the play-in tournament. I'm not sure about you, but I sort of think of it this way. It's like a team grinds so hard over the course of like an 82 game or in this case, 72 game season. We get like the seven seed or whatever. And then it comes down to one game, whether they make the playoffs. I think that's a bit unfair. Of course, if the standings are really close, then maybe. But if a team has like a three or four game lead over another team, I feel like you should just let them make the playoffs and don't put them through an unnecessary like test like a play-in tournament you know yeah i mean i gotta say i mean it's like cardi b you know just making money moves because like you know they just <laughs> want they you know more teams makes more money potentially in more games uh, especially during a, a shortened season uh i totally get what you mean it's kind of like the idea of like the the baseball wild card predicament where it's like you made the playoffs and now you have to do one game uh, playoff against one other team, and then that's your whole hopes is based on this one game. Uh, yeah, the basketball one is a little bit more complicated. I haven't done all my research on it, but it is it like nine, ten play a game, and if nine wins one game, then they move on, and then ten would have to win two games or something like that. 
I honestly don't know. And, <laughs> and the main reason for that is because I didn't think the Mavericks would have any, <laughs> they'd be even in that conversation for the play in tournament. I thought that they were going to be comfortably above that. But, you know, I think <laughs> given how the season <laughs> Me too. has been going, it's probably worth looking into the rules on that. So um, I'll let you know when I find that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can totally check up on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, early in the season, I mean, it's uh, I had a lot of hope for the Mavs, but um, it hasn't quite been pain, uh, panning out exactly as planned. I mean, I think Lucas still has potential to be that favorite MVP again, but um, yeah, yeah, it hasn't. It definitely hasn't been going as planned. I'm guessing, especially as a hardcore Mavs fan like you. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected things to go this this poorly. But like I said, I think the Mavericks got screwed with COVID. And now they've had their, their full team healthy for, what, four games? And they've gone two and two. So so let's see here. You know, I, I've sort of been on the side of, like, they have bigger issues than just COVID. But if the, these last four games have been decent efforts from them, barring that last Warriors game. So... Let's see how it goes going forward now that they have the whole team together. Yeah, so after today, uh, from a scale from zero pessimism to 10, extremely optimistic, where are you on the scale after tonight? I don't want to get my hopes up too high, so I'd probably say I'm a five or a six, just because, um, you know, they beat the Hawks, but then they got blown out by the Warriors. Second night of a back-to-back, of course, but I think consistency is going to be key for the Mavericks if they want to get out of the slump and get back into the playoff picture. So I'd say five or six um, just because I want to temper my expectations. I don't know about you. How do you feel about the Warriors after this series or just, you know, even how their season has been going so far? I'm I'm happy with splits, honestly, I mean, <laughs> at this point. I mean, uh, and it was a close game. I mean, it yeah, could, yeah. totally could have been a 2-0 series. But, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just kind of... It's kind of just going with the flow of the season. Um, it, I, it mostly comes down to, I mean, like Steph will pretty much be consistent every game, even though he had like a, a slow streak for a bit earlier in the season. But um, yeah, it mostly comes down to those other players. Like if Ubre and Wiggins are having a bad night, it's pretty much over. Um, uh, you you can keep up the high energy, which is uh, from from Bazemore and Pascal, but um. I don't know if that's exactly going to be winning playoff basketball just yet. Um, so, yeah, if Kelly's able to hit a stride, um, I think I think this team has a solid prospect for the playoffs. But uh, as of right now, yeah, I think I think I'm about even again, like around <laughs> five. Yeah, uh, just just knowing the ebbs and flows of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's been a weird season for a lot of teams this year. So I, I don't know, like long term, if we can draw too many conclusions based on what happens. But of course, Steph is 32 going on 33. So you definitely want to maximize these years left of his prime. And I really do like Kelly Oubre. He's had a rough go, except um, he did have a career high against the Mavs on Thursday. So I think he'll turn it around. Um, I really do like his skill set when it comes to defense and shooting, things like that. So hopefully you can continue to be a part for them. One thing I don't like about his game, though, offensively, it's either that he's a catch-and-shoot guy or he drives into the basket and he never looks for another option. And it's like once he takes two steps toward the basket, he's going for it. Like he doesn't give a shit if it's Porzingis 
or if it's Boban or if it's Westbury, it doesn't matter. Like he's going to try and dunk it on you. And it's, it's worked out like maybe 20% of the time, but like, I just know every time he drives in, it's like, fuck, he's going to try and dunk it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I haven't watched too many Warriors games this year. I mean, I usually know him as like a catch and shoot guy, like you said, or a really athletic freak, but I can see that tunnel vision is a problem a lot of players face in the league. I would have expected that out of um, Andrew Wiggins, but mm-hmm. I like Wiggins' game today. I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, he's he's definitely built up some confidence in me as a viewer. Um, I still don't love his his post fadeaway move that he loves to do all the time, but uh, for yeah. the most part, it's <laughs> I, I've been pretty impressed with Wiggins. Yeah, it worked out tonight. He looked like Kobe Bryant doing those those uh, <laughs> mid-post jump shots. But the knock on Wiggins is he's not consistent. And those shots that he made today could very well go dry in the next game. Yeah, it hasn't really been like that this season. He's been pretty solid, solidly in like the mid to high teens. And it's been... I, I've been pretty impressed. Yeah, knowing how much flack that... Pretty much every NBA fan is giving Wiggins. He's he's kind of stepped up to the plate this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's playing in a good system now, so let's see. I'd like to say thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, you should probably come join me on uh, Pace and Space or You Know What's Up sometime. Yeah. I know that uh, <laughs> beyond beyond the Mavs, yeah, uh, Pace and Space are more of a general, almost like comedy-based uh, NBA show, as well as uh, You Know What's Up, which is – a show that tells you to get up on the things before they become mainstream and popular. Uh, so that can be like music books, movies. And I think you totally have a background that would fit very well into both podcasts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we, we have a lot of the same interests. So yeah, thanks so much for, for joining us today. It was a good discussion and always fun to collaborate with fans of other teams. Yeah, definitely go check out the pace and space podcast. If you're, a basketball fan check out you know what's up for your you know underrated cultural uh, recommendations you can follow us on twitter at mavs film room we post live tweets during games highlights clips from games memes all that kind of good stuff so be sure to follow us on twitter we recently just crossed a thousand followers so thank you all for that Ooh, congrats yeah thanks man it's, it's it's been it's been nice to grow over the last like six months ever since the bubble you know i definitely love to be able to tweet from an account with that kind of following <laughs> yeah that's an awesome milestone and uh yeah the sky's the limit for this uh, mavs film room so i'm excited and i'm happy to have joined the ride with y'all yes sir all right man take care we'll see you on a future episode sounds great see y'all